You're listening to ReachMD Radio, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Diabetes Discourse, sponsored by Novo Nordisk, a world leader in diabetes care. Here's your host, Dr. Stephen Edelman, founder and director of Taking Control of Your Diabetes, clinical professor of medicine, Division of Endocrinology and Metabolism, University of California, San Diego, and San Diego Veterans Administration Healthcare System. And I am Dr. Timothy Bailey, sitting in for Dr. Stephen Edelman. How is digital technology and genomics shaping the management of diabetes? Joining us to discuss digital technology and genomics is Director of the Scripps Translational Science Institute and Professor of Translational Genomics at the Scripps Research Institute in La Jolla, California, Dr. Eric Topol. Dr. Topol, welcome to ReachMD. Thanks very much. I'd like first to ask, what, what do you see as the unique challenges of treating chronic diseases? Well, Tim, I think the main point is that we haven't been able to have the data uh, that uh, chronic diseases like diabetes as a prototype, uh, that uh, we only have intermittent glucoses. Uh, hemoglobin A1C is, you know, not, uh, although it's highly regarded, it is not really the answer to understand a person's, uh, and any individual's glucose homeostasis. So I think the key, whether it's di- diabetes, hypertension, and many other chronic diseases, is to have, uh, at least a window of continuous monitoring, and this should make a big difference in the future. I see patients for 15 minutes, maybe every three or four months. But there's a lot that goes on in between those visits, and some of us think that the technology has solutions for this, specifically wireless innovations. Yeah, well, Tim, I think it's already starting in the diabetes space. Obviously, there already has been continuous glucose monitoring subcutaneously where uh, for particularly type 1 diabetes, and not a lot of those uh, individuals are using it. But what's happening now is that um, the ability to get uh, the measurements uh, uh, from a glucometer right to a smart phone and for all that data to be archived and for the for that to be graphically displayed for the individual. So that's a step in the right direction and of course there's a lot of refinement in the continuous uh, sensors uh, that would allow for weeks of uh, uh, non-stop use, not having change a sensor, and uh, also going directly to one smartphone rather than having to carry another gateway receiver around. So a lot of uh, progress in the technology here. And now you're also an expert on genomics. Well, this is where I think there's been tremendous uh, disregard for the importance of genomics. Too many people think that diabetes is just a type 2. is just a simple story of insulin resistance. But as it turns out, most of the genes that have been implicated in type 2 diabetes have nothing to do with insulin resistance, but rather uh, with beta cell dysfunction, issues with insulin secretion or insulin transport. So we are going to be subtyping diabetes based on genomics, mapping the disease in each individual in the future. And there may well be 11 different types of diabetes and much better therapies for the specific molecular defect that accounts for why that person has abnormal glucose uh, regulation. So that sounds pretty exciting. So patients will be able to be individualized. That's what I think is the essence. It's not just about what's going on with your, with your DNA, and it's not even just the DNA sequence. It's also the epigenomics that comes into play. But for any individual, it's their lifestyle and you know exactly what they're eating and their exercise that has a big role that we don't normally take into account because we haven't had the data. We haven't had the capacity to look at that. Do you have any real exam- life examples that, that, that how this might play out? <laughs> I, I'm not a diabetic, but I I try to continuous glucose monitor for a week 
so that was a, a real life example for me. Learning uh, what f- different foods uh, did to my uh, glucose regulation and what exercise did, and I found that exceptionally uh, helpful. And I just think that any anyone who has abnormal glucose uh, homeostasis would benefit from that, whether it's pre-diabetic or, or, or diabetic. So I think there's a lot to be had from even one week of continuous glucose monitoring or a month in the course of uh, that person learning about uh, improving their nutrition and lifestyle. And how about this whole emerging area of genomics in terms of individualizing the medications or the treatments that you might see with a patient that you were seeing with diabetes? Right. Well, we know that there's a very high number of patients who take metformin, the number one oral drug for type 2 diabetes, that don't respond. And now we know the principal gene that accounts for that. So in the future, that could be uh, genotyped before we put people on a drug that's not going to work. And the same would be the case with each of the classes of drugs uh, used in diabetes. Frankly, it's um, I don't really understand the method to the madness of diabetes um, drugs because there is, there is no rationale um, that's been provided um, and it, I think this can be changed when it's genomically based. A lot of us in practice, uh, we try one medication, medication A, medication B, or medication C. It sounds like this would be really an opportunity to actually start a patient just for the first time on a medication that would be appropriate for them. Exactly. I mean, it's just like blood pressure where it's kind of trial and error. That's really the problem in the diabetes space. There's so many different drug choices, and those drugs even include insulin. And uh, we don't have a good rationale, a good basis, but uh, genomic guidance, pharmacogenomic guidance for each individual should give us a lot of uh, um, uh, uh, precision. And it should really be able to change the future of management, uh, pharmacologic management for diabetes. Well, this sounds very valuable in terms of our patients. Both patients and doctors are going to really appreciate this technology. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Diabetes Discourse on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I am Dr. Timothy Bailey, and I'm speaking with Dr. Eric Topol. We are discussing digital technologies and genomics in the management of diabetes. If you could expand maybe more about this in terms of other specific medicines you might have seen, even outside the world of diabetes, where this is is going to be very important. Well, uh, Timothy, we already have uh, examples with the second largest drug uh, used in the world, prescription drug, clopidogrel, uh, known as Plavix, where we routinely genotype every patient who is going to have a stent and would be prescribed normally Plavix, and we use that as guidance because we can then, the frequency of people who don't respond to that drug is high, 30-some percent at least, and we can detect what are the, the genomic variants and then use either higher doses that might work or different drugs that are in the same class that don't have the same uh, pharmacogenomic interaction. So that's an example. Another one is interferon and hepatitis C, where you can uh, tell who is going to respond, the half of patients who do or not don't respond. And not only does that preempt a very expensive drug, which costs $50,000 a, a year of treatment, but it also um, works on getting the, the virus, the viral load of hepatitis C under check. So the pharmacogenomics is starting to have a, a real uh, anchoring in the medical community, and that's what we need to see, I, I believe, in the, in the diabetes uh, discipline as well. Well, this sounds not only of interest to the doctors and the patients, but all of a sudden this sounds very exciting even for the people who pay for health care, for the insurers. What have you seen in this arena? 
Well, it's really fascinating there uh, because uh, what you um, would suspect is that the physicians would take initiative, but rather it's been the pharmacy benefit managers. So the two largest pharmacy benefit managers, Medco and uh, CVS Caremark, have initiated wide-scale genotyping programs for several of uh, commonly used drugs because they want to improve the uh, precision, efficiency, avoidance of major side effects of drugs. And that's how, of course, they're, they're trying to appeal to large employers. And collectively, those two uh, pharmacy benefit managers uh, have 100 million Americans who they are looking after for their for their prescription. So that's where the wavefront is starting to move, uh, and undoubtedly it's going to have uh, an impact throughout the medical community as well. Well, I can really see that happening in terms like, and it looks like this is easily fundable because of the amount of money saved and the side effects that could be prevented. And on useless medications, this sounds like a wonderful opportunity. Yeah, I mean, it's so true. We have over $300 billion of expenditures for pharmaceutical uh, agents. Well, also, in diabetes, we know that many uh, so-called type 2 diabetics, they'll be recategorized in the future, but they, they should be taking insulin, but they don't because of, you know, the needles and emotional issues. And, but on, on being able to, to determine precisely who would really benefit from that and understand the story of about the, the beta islet cells in the pancreas at a molecular level, this, I think, is going to be very telling. And, and uh, it will be a much more, I, I think, intelligent way uh, to go forward in, in uh, directing therapies and hopefully also at the same time uh, avoiding the complications that can occur from diabetes. Are there any limitations or any ethical concerns that might come from this? Well, I think that one of the issues, of course, is it's, as always, is, is reimbursement. And uh, reimbursement, so for example, you know, wouldn't it be nice to see everyone's uh, glucose every five minutes for a week or a month just to see what we're what are the problems in that individual? But of course, there are no, uh, there is no reimbursement for that today. Um, and whether or not that'll ever change, I suspect, will only occur if there's significant randomized trials that show that that makes a difference. So that's that's certainly an issue. Another major trend here is giving um, the the patient, the consumer, much more uh, empowerment to deal with their own data. Uh, because there will, undoubtedly, as we move forward, there will be the ability to have much more data on, for example, glucose and, and genomics. Uh, and so that's going to be important for each person who's affected uh, here to, to have um, you know, more input and, into their uh, lifestyle and management. I know you're active in telehealth in San Diego and with uh, an organization that you, I think you're the director of. Could you tell us about some of the projects that you're involved with now that might relate to our patients with diabetes? Yeah, I think you're referring to the West uh, Wireless Health Institute, of which I was a co-founder. Um, Gary West and his wife Mary West really have been the, the great philanthropists that have set this up. It's a very large facility that's trying to make uh, an impact in uh, wireless medicine and reducing the cost of medicine, which, uh, of course, is really important. Diabetes is one of the areas we work in across, uh, and uh, many other chronic uh, diseases. So uh, what we're trying to do is, uh, is foster improved technology and improved uh, systems, uh, solutions that will make uh, the management of these um, conditions much better. And hopefully, uh, with the nearly 30 million diabetics in the United States, uh, we can make an impact there. 
I'd really like to thank our guest, director of the Scripps Translational Science Institute and professor of translational genomics at the Scripps Research Institute in La Jolla, California, Dr. Eric Topol. Dr. Topol, thank you so much for spending time with us on Diabetes Discourse. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Diabetes Discourse, sponsored by Novo Nordisk, a world leader in diabetes care. To learn more about diabetes and the role of GLP-1, visit novomedlink.com forward slash DIA. For more details on the interviews and conversations in this week's show, or to download the segment, visit us at reachmd.com. In last week's class, we talked about how diabetes affects the whole person, and we left off with an important question. Are we looking at every part of diabetes? Uh, to help us answer this question, I've invited one of my colleagues as a guest speaker, Dr. Jackie Brennan, who has been practicing endocrinology for over 25 years. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here to discuss a key issue in diabetes, whether or not we're looking at the whole picture. As you know, sustained control of A1C is important, but we can't stop there. Weight, cardiovascular risk, and beta cell dysfunction are also part of the problem. Specifically, I'd like to talk about GLP-1 and how it impacts multiple systems affected by diabetes. Can anyone tell me more about it? Yes, Jamie, go ahead. GLP-1 is a natural hormone that helps regulate glucose metabolism, and the multiple actions of GLP-1 are critical to glucose control. Exactly. In a glucose-dependent manner, GLP-1 stimulates the beta cells in the pancreas to secrete insulin and inhibits the liver from releasing excessive glucose by reducing glucagon secretion from alpha cells. Anyone know what else it does? What about you, Sam? Yeah, doesn't it help control weight by slowing gastric emptying and inducing a feeling of satiety? Yes, and GLP-1 may also play a role in improving beta cell function, a key to slowing diabetes progression. But why is this so important? It's because at diagnosis, type 2 diabetes patients have already lost 50% of beta cell function. Well, isn't impaired GLP-1 physiology also part of the problem in diabetes? Yes, that's a great point. People with type 2 diabetes may have impaired GLP-1 activity and or impaired beta cell response to GLP-1. This could contribute to problems that develop over time. That's why the multiple actions of GLP-1 throughout the body are critical. GLP-1 regulates blood sugar in a glucose-dependent manner, may help control weight, and may improve beta cell function. Novo Nordisk is a world leader in diabetes care and is dedicated to ongoing research. To learn more about the latest treatment available from Novo Nordisk, please visit glp1analog.com.